Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. We are at episode number 1536 today and we are talking about the secrets of the Kessel Slave Revolt. This is what the revolt on Kessel that happens in Solo A Star Wars Story eventually becomes known as. It is given an official title, the Kessel Slave Revolt. And we're going to talk about some things that happened as part of the narrative of the expanded edition novelization, stuff that we didn't get to see in the movie or get as many fine details about. There's one thing or two that, yeah, you know, maybe did show up in the movie and we'll just kind of highlight those things. For starters, we'll talk about the fact that as part of the plan, Han and Chewie were in cuffs, in shackles. And the narrative makes it clear that neither of them wanted to do that, neither of them were particularly anxious for that. The thing of it is, is that Han wasn't really in shackles for very long at all, was he? I mean, just when Beckett reported him as a deserter and threw him into the pit with Chewie. I mean, there was not really much captivity, unless you're referring back to the White Worms and his time with them. You could certainly say that that was a captivity of a sort as well. So both of them had strong reactions against the plan. And Chewie actually said like, he didn't ever want to do this at all. And Han said, you know, just this one more time and it'll never happen again, I promise. And yeah, of course, you're meant to think of the time on the Death Star in the original Star Wars when Luke went to him with the cuffs and he reacted so violently. And Han said, you know, I think I know what he has in mind. And that's probably a very specific reason why the cuffs weren't done. I know we're retconning that a little bit, why the cuffs weren't actually locked in A New Hope, or at least that's the idea you're meant to be given. In Solo, A Star Wars Story, the cuffs are actually locked, but Han has the key handed to him by Beckett, and so he manages to get Chewie unlocked first, and then uh, unlocks himself. Or actually, no, he unlocks himself, excuse me, and then unlocks Chewie. Anyway, in the meantime, to maintain her disguise on Kessel, Kira, and you know, and it didn't occur to me, and it should have been a pretty obvious thing, it's one of those things that should be like right in front of your face, Kira raided Lando's wardrobe to get the perfect cape so that way she could seem like the very official, regal person that she needed to be to carry off this plan. Of course, Lando was not thrilled about this at all. This was just one more thing of like, oh, what have I done to deserve this whole situation? And of course, the cape that she picks, he says, that one's a favorite. And she's like, well, yeah, I can see why, and I'm going to wear it anyway. <laughs> and so she does. Now, the title that she rattles off, like, this is actually insane. So she goes by the name Oksana Florin, the Deputy Assistant Administrator to the Vice Admiral for the Federation of Trade Route Allocation and Monetization. That is a heck of a thing to decide to ramble off all at once. And you have to assume that either the Pike Guy K. Tolsite, that's his name, knows... English or basic enough to know what she just said, or if not, then, you know, maybe it doesn't matter, but still, just to rattle that off makes you think that either she is that darn good, which, you know, she is, or that she's done this particular identity and title more than a couple of times, which I think is probably also true. As far as returning for additional negotiations, this Pike Guy K is a little more disgusting than we necessarily understood on screen. It seemed like they were being taken to an office to do the additional negotiations, but 
No, it was actually Kay's bedroom. Maybe he was working out of his own quarters or something like that, but nope, he had a dirty, grimy, messy bed and a ton of clothes piled in a corner. Rather disgusting, to say the least. And interestingly, there is a divergence here between what happens in the movie and what happens in the novel. In the movie, you will recall that L3 was in the room with Kay and Kira, to there to translate, naturally. But in the novelization, L3 is outside of the room. And so Kira, you know, not that L3 you know, helped in the movie anyway to begin with, although L3 probably could have helped if needed, except that Kira knows, is it Taras Kasai? Kasi? Taras Kasi? I think it's Taras Kasi, if I'm not mistaken. The ancient martial art that was originally designed to counter the Jedi, according to Dryden Voss. This is what Kira remembers in flashing back about it. And... Yeah, that's more than enough for her to get the upper hand on Kay and to kill him by stabbing him repeatedly in the chest with his set of keys. Now, I mentioned A New Hope and the whole handcuff thing earlier. It's not the only reference to A New Hope in this scene. When Han eventually gets down to the vault and sees all the containers of coaxium, he reflects that the amount of money that it was worth was, well, more credits than he could imagine. And we know that by the time we see him in A New Hope, he can imagine quite a bit of credits. And I think the narrative very keenly gives him a way to start imagining a very large amount by doing this. Now, as for the droid revolt that happens, we find out that the first droid that is freed by L3, and this would be DDBD, is seen as a prophet by all of the droids that get let loose, and L3 is akin to a goddess. And they basically want to start acting like L3 does, and L3 is opening doors that their master closed, or their masters, I should say, their pike guards, and so that's why they start opening stuff like crazy. At least that's the rationale that's given. Now, there's a really cool early expanded universe reference here as well, which, you know, it's already made canon, basically, by the movie, but now we get a little bit more of it being brought back into the new canon, and I'm going to tell you about that after a quick word from our friends at Nissan. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. If you haven't checked out Nissan's Best in the Galaxy customizer, then what's keeping you? Here's the link to do it real quick. It's sw7x7.com custom. That'll get you right there. You can customize a Rogue, an Ultima, or a Titan and give it a design inspired by the Millennium Falcon, by an Imperial Heavy TIE Fighter, Moloch's Landspeeder, or four other different designs. Check it out, sw7x7.com custom. And hey, Solo A Star Wars Story is now available on digital and it's coming September 25th on Blu-ray and new in 4K Ultra HD as well. Welcome back. So when Lando is sitting in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon waiting for everybody to come back, you remember that he sits down and he is dictating his memoirs, which he has called the Calrissian Chronicles because he likes the alliteration. And in chapter 5, he starts talking about how he was not very impressed with the Sharu. And the Sharu would refer you back to one of the novels by L. Neil Smith back in the early 80s, Lando Calrissian and the Mind Harp of Sharu. And the narrative says that he is trying to think of words to describe the Mind Harp upon seeing it and you know how to do it for his memoirs. And that's before then he realizes that all heck is breaking loose on Kessel. And he's like, what's going on? You know, and 
and it's a massive breakout naturally, but the fact that the Mind Harp of Sharu was specifically called out, now you know for absolute certain that this is another one of the instances where those three novels by L. Neil Smith are being brought back into the canon, at least in some Mm, small way? Well, you know, some definitive way for sure. I mean, as to whether the actual events of the novel are now officially canon, well, I certainly wouldn't go that far by any stretch of the imagination, but just conceptually, the idea of a mind harp of Sharu and the existence of the Sharu people, well, yeah, you can't go wrong with bringing that back into the canon as far as I'm concerned. And that is going to do it for our time on the podcast today. Tomorrow, we are going to talk about the infamous Kessel Run and what it took to even get into Kessel in the first place. And we'll also consider a theory about the Star Wars universe that might explain one of those things that, you know, based on the physics of our own world, seem rather impossible. So then that'll be tomorrow. For now, if you are not subscribing to the podcast, please do. If you are not supporting the podcast on Patreon, please do. That's at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash SW7X7. It just remains for me to say for today, thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.